be lifted high. Um, it's, if it fits into what is our church about, worship, connect, serve, our core values, this fits under the core value of worship, right? But what is worship? Um, so often we think of worship as a specific time and place. I came in to worship today, 1030. When really the scriptures are teaching us that worship is a word, it's, a, it's an understanding, it's a reality that is a way of life. Your whole life, the way you live your whole life is an expression of worship to God. Not just on a Sunday morning when you're here, you know, in the, in the, in the sanctuary, is that just worship. Worship is your whole life. The way that you live, the attitudes that you have, the actions, the way that you care, the way that you serve, it's all an expression of worship to God. This is my worship to God. So worship is a, is a way of life. When we begin to realize that, it does something what Robert Weber says, it refreshes the soul, rekindles the spirit, and renews life. When I begin to realize that my life is an expression of worship, this is how I get to worship God, is the way that I live. I realize I'm living for something bigger, better, more than me. I'm worshiping God, and, and how I live is an expression to him, and it just rekindles, it renews, it, it um it fires us up to realize that what I do matters and it shows um, as I worship him to others around us. But specifically, this series is taking a part of what worship is and focusing on a word that is associated with worship very closely, and that's the word praise. Praise is an activity the scripture calls us to hundreds upon thousands of times in scripture. Can't open the Bible without being really quickly familiar with this word praise. What does it mean? Praise the Lord. May the Lord be praised. We will sing his praises. Praise, praise, praise. What does that mean? Is that worship or is that a part of worship? And what we're realizing is this. Favorite sentence of the whole series. Praise is the part of worship that energizes us for the lifestyle of worship. God has created this praise thing to help us uh, stay focused and oriented on him so that then we are strengthened and empowered and focused to be able to live out the lifestyle of worship. Praise is God's gift to us that keeps us in this whole lifestyle of worshiping him. And we've seen in the Psalms that uh, the songbook of the scriptures, right, the Psalms, there are seven words to describe praise. So when you say praise the Lord uh, in our translation, our English translation, it just says praise many times. It's okay. What is that? What does that look like? What does that entail? How does it act? And, and so when the psalmist is writing it, he's not just using one word for praise. He's using seven different words. And these seven different words give us a picture of what praise is. How do I praise the Lord? And obviously the first week we looked at this word, Barak. And it's, it's at the heart of worship is just a, a heart of adoration. That's the one we all grab a hold of quickly. We understand that. It's to adore him. And the question for you and I is, are we giving space in our life to adore him? Are we allowing that vacuum in our heart to be filled with adoration of him? That is what it is to praise him, is to first of all have a reverence and awe for who he is. 
And so you and I are called to create space in our life to praise the Lord. And at the heart of that is just to get, uh, get our minds up to who this God is, how great he is, how good he is. We looked last week at a couple other words that they're using in the Psalms. And what's interesting is these words are um, action words. They are an extension of the hand words. And what the psalmist is trying to relate to us, help us to understand, to praise the Lord, not only is this heart that is adoring him, and we get to this place where we're just filled with wonder and praise for him, but what happens is, is worship or praise is something that spills out of our heart and our mind into our bodies. And our bodies follow along with our heart, and there's just a natural expression of praise. Is there not? And it uses like the extension of the hands. My hands are lifted. My body moves. I I agree in the flesh with what I'm feeling in the spirit. We all understand this. I use the illustration of going to a ball game. You don't have to tell people, now you can get excited and raise your hands. Like last night, right? ULC people. I guarantee you, those that were at the game, and then probably those that were sitting in their living room, when Elsie scores that touchdown late, did you just sit there like this? I would guarantee you if we saw some of you in your living room, you were dancing around, right? You, our bodies follow, and that's a part of praise, is allowing ourselves to express the expression of worship comes out physically. So we're going to look at two words today. And we're going to look at two weeds next Sunday. What's cool about next Sunday is we're going to do something a little different. We have somebody that has been a part of our congregation who has felt the call to ministry. Actually, he got a four-year degree at Toledo and then felt like God was calling to ministry. He's actually at Dallas Theological Seminary. And um, he's home for the holidays, Right? And he is going to finish our series up next Sunday. And that is going to be so cool. Justin, Justin's here, right? Why don't you stand up so everybody kind of knows. They can take a look at you and see if they want to come back next week. <laughs> I am so proud of what God is doing in Justin's life. And um, it's amazing. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing him finish this series. I kind of challenged him a little bit and said, listen, so you just come in and preach and whatever, I want you to finish our series. This is what it's going to be like when you get out into ministry if you're working with a team. So he's going to do that. He's been working on that for a couple weeks, but excited about that. But to introduce the two words today and help us kind of grab a hold of what are words, what, what is involved with praise, I want to start this way. I'm going to have a lot of fun with this, okay? So I'm going to play about 10 to 15 seconds of the intro to a song. All right? You listen to it. I'm, don't, don't, uh, don't yell out. I'll let you vote here in a minute, okay? A, B, C, or D. And you, let's see how good you are in knowing your music, all right? I'm throwing you a softball one here, all right? I promise every one of you have heard this song. But let's see if you know who sang it, all right? You ready, Jason?
All right. How many of you think that was queen? I got one, two. How many think that was foreigner? How many of you that think that was uh, journey? Ooh, we're starting to get a few more. How many of you think that was survivor? You guys know your, your 70 and 80s rock music there. That was survivor, eye of the tiger, right? Everybody recognize that. I don't know if you know who's saying. All right, I'm reaching a little bit farther back for some of you. I have annoyed my wife. Well, here. Here we go. All right. Some of you are like, especially looking at me like, are you kidding me? Roy Orbison. Okay. Elvis Presley. Jerry Lewis. Gene Pitney. I don't even know who that is. Ken helped me with these because he used to listen to oldies. That was Elvis Presley. Now or never, right? And I will tell you, I have annoyed my wife to no end this week. I'll come in and I'll start singing to her, trying to sing like Elvis. It's now or never, you know. She is so tired of that song. All right, if you know me, if you know me, uh, you know, like, and some of you obviously you have to get to learn me, but, and you would maybe know this about me, but if you know me in any kind of way, you'll know exactly who this is. Next one. All right. How many of you think that was the Eagles? How many of you have never heard that song? Ah, oh, come on. How many think it was U2? How many think it was Van Halen? You are my people. <laughs> if you know me, I love the sound of Van Halen. The, anyway, so that's Van Halen standing on top of the world, right? Or top of the world is the name of it. All right, here we go. All right, some of you are starting to sing it, aren't you? The Beatles. Is that the Beatles? Is that Neil Diamond? <laughs> John Denver, Billy Joel, any takers? <laughs> okay. That's Sweet Caroline, right? By Neil Diamond. Some of you are getting ready to go, uh, uh, uh. Good times now. So, yeah, that's Neil Diamond, right? So those of you that are 90s contemporary Christian people, let's see if you get this one. Now, I'm interested to see if Steve can get this because I'm in Rotary with Steve. Steve is an absolute trivia master, and he is four for four right now. I've watched him. So everybody's going to look to see how Steve votes now. No pressure, but I don't know about this one. We're going to find out. Here we go. All right, 90s, contemporary Christian music. Was that Stephen Curtis Chapman? 
Is that Michael W. Smith? Um, who else do I have on here? For him. Somebody asked me if I made that one up for a service. No, for him was a group. Amy Grant. Steve, you are five for five. You are incredible, man. That was Stephen Curtis Chapman, The Great Adventure. And what I want to introduce you to today is this word in the Psalms used for praise. You would see it here. I will sing a new song to you, my God. On the ten-string lyre, I will make music to you. The word zamar, associated with music, right? Taking an instrument. You're like, okay, so what does that have to do? But you'll find that the psalmist will use that word zamar in many different places in this context. I will give thanks, and there's the yadah, um, that we've talked about, to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the pra- praises, Zamar, music, of the name of the Lord Most High. And this is another word used for praise. How do I understand praise? It's this word, Zamar. It's to make music, to celebrate in song or music, to touch the strings or a part of a musical instrument. Martin Luther said this, next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. It is one of the most magnificent and delightful presents God has given us. It's a common grace. Music is a common grace. God graciously gives this gift to the whole world and the gift of music. Think about what is in heaven. It's such a great gift that it transcends even our world today, and music is present in heaven right now and will be for eternity. This gift of music. And this is the word that is used, zamar, to help us understand what accompanies praise, what praise looks like. It's adoration. It's expression. Um, Praise includes expression, but it also is accompanied by music. Now, as I jump into this, I want to uh, say a few things. Music of the redeemed is driven by God's character. This is what I would say. Music rides the back of culture and whatever direction it's going so often. But the music of the redeemed is different. We live in a different world. We're citizens of a different kingdom. And the music of the redeemed is in many ways alien to the music of the world. It's reflective of that which is the most lofty, elevated, exalted, noble thing in the world, and that's the truth of God. Music of the redeemed is driven by God's character. You see, what happens is the music of this world is created out of our own feelings, emotions, circumstances, perspective. The music of the kingdom is driven by something higher than that, and that's God's character. I stop for a moment just to share this little sideline. Obviously, I played 
four secular songs for you. And you know me, I, I love the sounds of, of Van Halen. And I listen to a, kind of a wide range of, of music. The only one I joked with them in first service, and some of you might not like me or like me less, or maybe you don't like me at all, but <laughs> now you have another reason, is just country music I just can't seem to like. I gr- Matt's looking at me like, you know, I grew up in Iowa, so there's country music stations in every town. And I just, I don't know. It's just not like, I remember sitting fourth row of Brooks and Dunn, and I liked it, you know. I had on boots and a hat, which really wasn't me. I was really trying to fit in, you know, like, that was like exhibit, like, you're so corny. You don't wear, you wear boots and a hat one day out of the year. It's to go to a concert, you know, like, I, I'm here. But um, I just thought, you know, I like this, but it's just not not really my jam. Um, and so this isn't a sermon to somehow make a point that secular music, to listen to secular music is, is sinful, okay? That's not my point here at all. Because I do think we derive, music is this gift, and it helps give expression to circumstances and situations of life that we can identify with, right, right? I was almost going to do the Rolling Stones, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. See if you would recognize that one, because that's really recognizable, right? And, and sometimes, you know, I could turn that on and think, yeah, that's the way it is. I, you know, life's just crazy, and I can't seem to rest, you know. I, and um, so, so music gives expression to that, does it not? And we identify with that, especially, I mean, you know, songs that uh, help us understand the relationship of love with that special mate. Beautiful. I mean, inspires us. And so this is not a, one of those sermons, right? Some guys will get up here and say, if you listen to secular music, like, that's sinful. I don't believe that at all. But I will tell you that music's first pri- primary role in this world is to elevate the character and the nature of God. That's primarily why it's gifted to us. It's to take the truth about God and to put it into, into a musical form to lift us up into being able to praise and worship him. And what I found in my own life is that, you know, if you look at my playlist, there's, there's secular songs in there, no doubt. But if I were to feed my soul on just secular music, it literally is like me just eating a Snickers for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner. Really. Can you imagine what would happen to me after a week? It'd be like 300 pounds. 400, I don't know. I'd be super unhealthy, would I not? All of a sudden, I'd have sugar diabetes. I would have illnesses in my soul, my, in my body, and if I kept persisting in eating Snickers, I would die. I'm not getting new, new, nutrition to my body, correct? Remember the guy who ate McDonald's for a month? Remember that? I mean, that is kind of what that is. It's good to have. Snickers are fun to eat. And they, yeah, they spice up life, so to speak. But the heart of what my soul needs to feed on is music that lifts me up to praise and worship God. And that's what I've experienced myself. And you know what? I'll go through periods where 
I'm just eating meat all the time like that. And then sometimes I'll, you know, I'll have like three or four Snickers. <laughs> I just get on a kick and I want to hear, you know, Jump by Van Halen or, you know, uh, uh, Why Can't This Be Love by Van Halen, you know, so I'll, but if I just keep doing that every day, I start to develop a secular mindset. I lose sight of what, who God is because music's powerful. In fact, I would say this. Music is more powerful than we can even understand. It softens our heart, soothes our troubled soul. It opens a door to the spiritual world. It paves the road for the Spirit's coming. This is what I was just thinking. Think about all the people you see with earbuds now, right? Just flew just last week. We don't talk to each other anymore like on planes. We just put our earbuds in and ignore each other, right? We listen to music because we can do this now far better than those huge Walkman things, you know, it's a lot easier. Think about teenagers and their obsession with music. I got one that's on the verge of being a, a, a teenager. And so we get we give him this iPod. What's the first thing he wants to do with that thing? He wants to load it up with music, right? I think it's so tied into how they identify, how we identified, how we saw ourselves. Music is powerful. And, and they get that. Think about the best memories of your family events and times. I bet you if you think back and allow yourself to go back, the, 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 the memories you have, I bet you some of them, there's music streaming through it. For me, Christmas time, I can see the, the tree and the gifts and my family, and I think about the dinners we would eat and, and the family times, and you know what also is in there? Mannheim Steamroller playing in the background. Because <laughs> my family loved Mannheim Steamroller, and it was on in the middle of that. It's such a powerful thing. Scientifically, they have proven music improves mood, reduces stress, lessens anxiety, improves exercise. How many of you exercise with music? Yeah. Improves memory, eases pain, provides comfort, and improves the cognitive part of our brain. In fact, I looked up the number one way that Americans manage stress is, guess what? 52% say they listen to music to relieve their stress. It is a powerful thing. And I would say this, most of us agree that singing worship songs in our gatherings is important. But do we realize how important it actually is to our growth? In a New York, in a New York Times article entitled, entitled In One Ear and out, and out the Other, Natalie Angerer examines the limited power of human memory. She points out that while we can't seem to remember the birthday of a loved one, Come on now. Hopefully not your anniversary. That's a bad day. How we seem to forget those things. We can't quite forget every word of the Gilligan's Island theme song. <laughs> or whatever show you watched. Why is that? It seems that if you add a little music to something, it's more likely to be remembered. That's how the brain is wired to work. She writes... Scientists used to believe that short-term and long-term memory were stored in different parts of our brain. But they have now discovered that what really distinguishes a lasting memory from a fleeting one, a transient one, 
is how strongly the memory is engraved in the brain, stamped on the brain in that moment. The deeper the memory, the more readily and an, an ensemble of like-minded neurons will, will fire. This process of memory formation helps explain why life, some of life's circumstances are easily remembered while others are easily forgotten. And music, for example, is a key reason. The brain has a strong propensity to organize information and perception in patterns. And music plays into that inclination. I mean, think about it. It seemingly, some of you teachers, you totally get this already. It's a really difficult task for young children to memorize a sequence of 26 separate letters if you just gave them to them as a string of information. When the alphabet is set to the tune of the ABC song with its four melodic phrases, preschoolers learn it with ease. In other words, the songs we sing, which combine truth with melody, teach us things that will not be easily forgotten. And this should give us pause, pause to reflect on the value we have in the songs that we sing. Pause to remember that God has given us a powerful tool in music and its potent relationship to human memory. That's why one of my heroes, John Wesley, as he was the catalyst, literally, for the Great Awakening, the revival that swept over England and changed it didn't just develop a church, it changed their whole culture. Historians will tell you that England was headed for the French Revolution, just like, well, the French had. And one thing stood in the way, and that was the revival of England. Wesley's the catalyst for that. And one of the ways that revival spread from just his heart and that small group of men was he told Charles, his brother, he said, the, one of the most important things we can ever do to teach about God is to put it to music. And they would take songs that he would write and they would take a, a local bar tune or a popular melody of that time and they would bring it together and people remembered and learned about God because of music. And historians would tell us that it was the music of the Great Awakening that caused people to understand better and walk more closely with God. Pow music is a powerful, powerful thing. And this is why that Zamar word, it, it, it's echoed in these psalms. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of his wonderful acts. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And this is why in the New Testament, when it's presenting what it's like to walk spirit-filled, he says, be filled with the Spirit. That's the, that's the life of a Christian. And what happens when you're filled with the Spirit is this. Speaking to, another, to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. You see, music lifts us up to encounter God's glory and grace. That's what it does. That's why when it says, praise the Lord, he uses the word that says, use music to praise the Lord. You want to have this connection with me? You want this to, you know, it's amazing, isn't it? Music just 
when words break down, when I can't say how I feel, so often it's been music that I've identified with and it's lifted my heart up and I just broke free because the music lifted me up. And he says, Zamar the Lord, praise the Lord, use music as you praise me. Something powerful happens. An encounter happens with our music. And that's why we do this. That's why we, in our worship services, we don't just come together and we don't, we don't just sing a cappella, even though that's beautiful and there's song in that. We have, we have discovered that God's gift of instrumentation, of, of, of music, does something powerful and dynamic in our heart and causes us to be lifted up to him. And so he says, music is a way. I had a video first service. I don't think they really caught on to what I was trying to do. And so um, I'll skip it, this service. It's this group in the, in the 70s who were on TV. They did this song. And uh, it's pretty comical. If you want to know about it, just see me afterwards. I'll tell you where to go on YouTube. But uh, 12 million views on this. But I'm going to move on because everybody just kind of looked at me like I was a fool. And I, I did, that was uncomfortable for me. More so than normal. So, but I want you to understand that the second word, it just adds to the first word. Telia, laudation, a hymn, a song of praise, a new song, a spontaneous song. It's what's used in Psalm 22 and 3 when it says, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one um, Israel praises. And what it's saying, it's, Psalm 43 says this, he puts a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Not only does music lift us up to encounter God's glory and grace, but music is used in a way in the Psalms, in this, in this telia word, as a way for us to understand our relationship with God. Many times the word song in scripture, a new song. I have a new song in my heart. New song is the word that's used often, phrase that's used often. What is it trying to say? It's saying not only does music lift us up, but music is a way that helps give character to our relationship with God. It's in music that I sing not only about who God is, but what he has done for me and how I am experiencing that. For me, it's this song we sang this morning, right? Um, when I first heard this song a little bit ago, I just totally identify with it. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my father's house, there's a place for me. Music gives character to our relationship with God. It's in music we're able to understand and relate and connect with God about what he is doing in our heart. 
The psalmist in Psalm 40 is, I was in a pit. I was in the mire and the clay, and he lifted me out, and he put a new song in my heart, a song of praise for my God, and a part of what music does now is I can't stop singing about what God has done and is doing for me. Music's vital in that. It helps give character to our relationship. But guess what? It goes even a little bit farther. Because you continue to see, by day the night directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Here's another. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked. Listen to David as he's in the darkest periods of his life. He says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me and surround me with songs of deliverance. Remember the New Testament story about midnight, Paul and Silas pray, uh, were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Songs in the night. Songs of deliverance. This word communicates to us that not only does music help us in praising God and lifting us up to his glory and great and his and his grace. Not only does music give character to our relationship with him, it just it encourages me, it strengthens me, it helps me realize who I am, who he is. But there is another element of worship that God uses, or there's another element of music that God uses, and that is in the night times of our life. When we are in need of rescue, when we are up against it, when we are in a tough place, it says repeatedly in scripture, music is used by God to help us to make solid our hope and dependence on him. How many of you have went through rough times and you've grabbed a hold of a song? Amen. I have. I was thinking of one I shared in first service. I've told you before, Keegan went through a severe physical challenge to the point where Nicole and I just thought, you know what, it's very possible we're going to lose him and we need to get ready for that. And I remember that in that, those days of my life, I grabbed a hold of that song that we sing sometimes. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God. That was my song in the night. And it kept me hopeful. It kept me depending on him. Instead of despairing, instead of becoming so discouraged and overwhelmed, instead of being so filled with anxiety and worry and fear that I was paralyzed, it was music, the songs in the night that God will give and use for us that lifted me up and kept me hopeful, kept me depending, kept me in a state of mind where I was still able to keep moving in that time when I probably would have wanted to just curl up. And in this praising God, yes, music has a way of helping us express what's in our heart. It unlocks 
our emotions and our feelings so often. It, it helps us to, to just sort out and, and give freedom to what we believe about God, what we know about God. When truth is coupled with melody, it, it just lifts us up. It helps us to remember. Music is given to help us, as the psalmist would say, to give character to our relationship. I get to sing about what God has done for me. I get to express it. And in doing so, it just solidifies it in my life. But often, music is also given to us as a way to have hope, to depend on God. This word is a spontaneous song a new song. It's when I'm in the nighttime of my soul or when I'm in a dark place. He gives songs to me in that time. And I keep hopeful. I keep dependent on him. And so praise the Lord. To worship the Lord what does that look like? Part of it is he uses music to encourage us, to strengthen us. And that's why I encourage you, allow God's gift of music to enable you to praise him. It's a vehicle that he's given to primarily praise him. On Sunday mornings, it's not an accident. These guys practice and they work and they, they develop their skills and they learn how to work together to make it excellent, to make an excellent sound for one reason. That's to help you and me connect to Jesus Christ. That's why. I don't think any of them are, you got a, a, a contract? Five more years. Well, with Cody, that might be true. But he's here for one reason. His deep desire is to use music to help you and I connect to Jesus. It's intentional. As you're going through your week, allow music to lift you up to encourage you, to give character to your relationship of who you are in Christ. It's given for a reason to help us to praise him. And in praising him, we're energized to live the lifestyle of worship that he's always given to us. So let's stand and let's sing together before we go.
Thank you, God, for this gift. Even as we allow the beautiful music to fill our heart right now, so grateful that you've given us this wonderful gift. Our lives are so much richer and full because of music. And Lord, it enables us to connect with you in such a powerful, close way. So Lord, we make ourselves available filling our hearts and minds with music it glorifies you Lord as we come in on Sundays Lord we recognize that this music lifts us up to you gives character to our relationship with you and so often it's exactly what we need to hear in those difficult situations of our life You've promised to give us songs in the night. And so, Lord, we take this beautiful gift and we use it to praise you. Thank you, Father. Go with us from this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. Listen to some good music this week.